the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Liar Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. In today's episode, we're throwing it back to a presentation from MaxLawCon 2018. PI attorney and co-founder of Maximum Lawyer, Tyson Mutrix, shares his presentation, Systemizing Your Law Firm. Let's get to it. As people that watch the video with John Fisher that we did, it was, I guess it was just a mastermind experience. The people, there's a few people from mastermind experience here. Like, I get, I'm psychotic about this stuff. I, I, I like systems. It's, it's something that I like to do. I think you can systemize anything. And I'll even put a challenge to anybody that challenges me on that later on in this presentation. I, I really do enjoy this stuff. I'm kind of crazy about it. But what I did is when I prepared this presentation, I was thinking, you know what? I need to maybe back it off a little bit. I, I, not, not everyone is as crazy about this stuff as I am. So I kind of wanted to jump into my own head to figure out how did I come up with these systems? How do I do it? What's my process for these processes? And so that's what I've done. So I've come up with six different steps. And so this is going to be sort of a workshop in a way. So I, I recommend getting out some paper because I'm going to give you some time to do it. We're not going to be able to systemize your entire firm in this, but I'm going to give you the steps and you're going to work through this. So hopefully by the time you leave today, you're going to have some systems partially built out by the time you leave. So I'm going to start with a quote. It never gets easier. You just go faster. Greg Lamont. And here's what I mean by that. People think that I will systemize things and I'll create these systems and it's going to get a lot easier for me, but the trials don't stop, the client meetings don't stop, the phone calls don't stop. You're going to create systems for everything. You're going to keep working hard, okay? That's what we do. We work hard. We want to make our, our firms great. We want to uh, work for our families, all the, do all these great things. So you're going to keep working hard, okay? Things don't just get easier because you build systems. You still have to work them, okay? So I want to make sure that I, I stress that important. So let's get to work. All right, I am making some assumptions about all of you, and I'm, I bet for half of you these assumptions are wrong, but for this presentation, I have to make these assumptions. One, that you've got a vision, okay? I know what my vision is, and it's, 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 for, it's really to support my family. It's, it's more in-depth than that, but to summarize it, when I left yesterday, my son he said, Daddy, Daddy, wait, 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 stop. And he wrote me this little note. He tore it off. He's got a little notepad. He likes to draw. And then he, he ripped it off, and he said, he wrote, Jackson Hart Daddy. And it was like, th th and I put it in my pocket. I was like, I'm keeping this. And this is why, this is my vision. You know, this is my personal vision. I've got a business vision, too. But I'm assuming that you all have these visions. And if you don't, develop them. Okay? It's, it's what Mitch was talking about with your why. Develop your why. Okay? 
Because you can create all these systems and everything, but they don't mean jack if you don't have an end goal, you don't have a vision in place. And then a mission, a mission and a purpose. And Chelsea talked about the mission and the purpose and the differences in those. But I'm assuming you have, ha you have those. If you don't, you need to get them into place. All right, so step one is segment. All right, so what do I mean by segment? All right. So you need to think about segmentation from two perspectives. All right, you need to think about it from your firm's perspective, right? Yeah, that's obviously important. But what most of us get wrong, I guarantee it, is this one, your client. Okay, you, when you're creating your systems, you don't just think about, okay, what do I do first? I get a file, I, I, I'm a personal injury attorney, so I need to send a letter to the insurance company, and then I get a letter back, and then I get the records, and no. You need to start thinking about it from your client's perspective. They are injured, okay? If they're facing criminal charges, they are, they're scared, their family is scared. I've gotta bond out, how do I bond out? What, what are, what's the process for that? I, I, so, you have to start thinking think about it from that perspective. If, you, if you're doing estate planning, right? You, and there may, is there anyone in here that does estate planning? All right, All right so you, you, you think about it from, I should have known that, Scott, sorry. You have people coming to you and they're, they're thinking about the, their future death, right? So you need to think about those things. And I will tell you, I think from a system standpoint, that's more important than the standpoint, okay? So whenever you're, you're, you're going through this segmentation, Think about that. All right, so a lot of people say, oh, think about it from the 30,000 uh, foot viewpoint. But it, honestly, I was gonna say that at first, but then I started looking up images from 30,000 feet. You ever looked at, a, at an image from 30,000 feet? You can't see anything. It's, it, it, you don't know what your impact, you don't know, you don't know your start, and you don't know what your, fish, you know, what your uh, finishing point is. So think about it, because here, here's really from an injury standpoint. If I thought about it from 30,000 feet, there's an accident, there's an injury, there's a claim and compensation. It doesn't tell me anything else. It doesn't tell me a process. This is just generally what happens. This is life, okay? You need to think about it really 10,000 feet, right? That way you can see uh, really the roads and you get to see, you know, where does this road, road start? Where does it end? Where does it take you? So I actually found this, uh, Chris Dolman, I don't know if anybody knows him. He's a personal injury attorney and he does a lot of stuff on Twitter. Uh, and I actually it was looking up what other attorneys are doing maybe for systems and everything. This is his. And I make sure I give him credit at the bottom of it. This is not mine. Um, now, I would not completely agree with this as segmentation. Uh, mine's a little more in depth than this, but it's actually pretty good though. So you, on a, for an injury case, you've got the victim was injured, um, and I don't agree with calling them victims. I think it's, I like to empower my clients, right? I don't, they're not victims, right? Um, there's the medical treatment, you hire the attorney, investigate, file a claim, begin a lawsuit, discovery, mediation, trial. You know, this is probably at 20,000 feet. This is, this is pretty good, this is a good starting point. I would get a little bit more in depth with, you, with your system. All right, so this is my, <laughs> a few months ago, I was, I was reconfiguring some things, and so what you might see is, see the laser pointer. This is my, my pre-litigation stuff, right? This is my litigation stuff, and I understand it's different from state to state. I don't expect you to think that this is how a personal injury case is in your state. But for us, this is pretty, this is pretty good, okay? It's, it's, you can tell mine's a little more detailed. Up here, what you're gonna see, this is just my chicken scratch, okay? So this, don't, don't completely hold me to this. But this, is, and we have these whiteboards, this is what this thing is, this is a big whiteboard on our wall. This right here is pretty much what happens during every case. Like it, it's, there, there's separate systems for these. It's not linear. These are always going on. These are pretty linear for the most part. These are pretty linear for the most part, although my partner Chris, he, 
he likes to disrupt this, which I agree with as well. There's a system for everything that we do, but for example, you know, I used to think it was just pretty normal. I was kind of felt when I was younger, I used to fall into the trap, which you know, Gary, you know, you probably did too when you were younger. You know, you, you file, you draft the petition, you file the petition, you serve the defendant, you, file, you get an answer, you do written discovery, you do party depots, you do investigatory depots, you do medical depots, and you kind of do it in this sequence. That's BS, right? Whenever you, they send you written discovery, and then you all, all go ahead and notice up a corporate rep depot. They kind of freak out because it's 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 out of the order of what's typical. So I do encourage to, to sort of change things up, but make sure that there are systems for each one of these things that we do, but they may be out of order. Okay. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take one minute, so we're, and we're only going to do one minute. I'm going to after that we're going to keep going. I want you to. Just think through and write down what segments from start to finish you might have in your firm, okay? And you don't have to hold yourself to this. You can refine these later on. But just take one minute and just write down from start to finish what your case is. Something I didn't mention I should have. Make sure you pick one part of your practice. Don't pick, like, you know, if you do criminal and injury, don't, don't do both of those. It's kind of hard to do. All right, time's up. All right, so the next part of it is, is that I want you to, right now in your head, kind of think of, one of those segments. Pick one of those segments. No, don't think about all of them. Just pick one. It doesn't matter which one of those is. As you probably know, under each one of those segments, those overarching you know, segments, there's a lot of things that happen underneath them. Okay? And it's kind of hard to get caught up in the weeds with these things. And, and so you kind of think about, oh my gosh, I've got all these segments. Uh, what do I do with all them? And you, need to, you need to break them down segment by segment by segment. And so I just took it as an example, and uh, these are not all of ours. And, and uh, Chelsea talked about in, in her intake segment, uh, it also includes lead generation, things like that, which I, I disagree. I think it's, it's a separate section. I think lead generation is completely different. But uh, so, for example, you might have an initial phone call block, right? Uh, you may have a data entry slash, slash scanning block because you, know, you get that initial phone call in to your office, and you've got a list of things that must be done under that separate category, right? You've got a, You've got, if you've got an intake specialist, for example, Seth Price, he's got an entire intake team. So they, they take that initial phone call and things start going, uh, he starts pulling levers and pushing buttons from that. You may have, you know, your invest, initial investigation block. So for example, when we get a phone call in, depending on if it's pretty obvious that we're gonna take the case or if it's not pretty obvious, it goes one of two ways. So if it's pretty obvious, what you're gonna do is, we've got an investigator that we use in St. Louis. Now if it's in another city, we'll, We've got him in multiple areas, but he goes pretty far out for us. We call him right away. His name's Paul Glickert, and he goes out and he starts doing investigation. He's got a list of things that we have given him to do, and it's a very standard email that goes out to him, and he starts the investigation. Okay, that's a separate block. So it's all under the intake segment, but it's a separate block. Okay, uh, and then you have the same thing. You know, you have to meet with a client. That's another another set of protocols. You got a referral partner block. So if you want to update the referral partner. Uh, and, and then your initial record request. And this is for, for personal injury stuff. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pick one of those blocks, just one of those. And I want you to write down, or I'm sorry, one of those segments and write down the separate blocks that there might be, okay? They're, these are not specific. These are a little, little bigger picture. This is probably around, around the 5,000 square foot, or 5,000 foot uh, range. So Brenda B, you wrote that your goal for the conference was to get better at content writing for lawyers. Where's Brenda B? Okay, Brenda. <laughs> So this can be applied to anything, right? You can apply it to marketing. You don't just have to apply it to the, to the legal side of stuff, okay? So I want to make sure that if you're thinking that way, oh, I'm not an attorney or I don't do the legal stuff, I do the marketing stuff, you can apply this to anything. All right, a few more seconds. And Alicia, 
Your goal was get some new ideas about how to improve internal processes. Where are you, Felicia? Raise your hand and stop me if you have any questions. All right, let's get, get going. Okay. Now we're gonna we're, we're so, I don't know if you've noticed, but we're we're drilling down. Okay. Now keep the same same segment. Now pick one block, one block of these uh, of, of the of the under those segments that you've chosen. Okay. Just one of them. I want you to think about that. And what I want you to do is I want you to think about what are those internal processes that you have to do. Now this is very very specific. So. My format is off a little bit. So here's what our referral partner block might have in it. You know, I think it's more in depth than this. It, it is, but so you want to call the uh, referral partner to get case information and to take uh, and to thank them for the referral. Okay. Uh, the next thing might be you're going to send a thank you card to them. All right. Uh, something else you, you might do later on is you're going to call them and let them know, hey, Scott. By the way, I talked to Mrs. Jones. I'm taking the case, or I'm not taking the case. Right. So. So list the specific things that you do, and then if, uh, if you retain the, retain the client, you're gonna send a letter to the referral partner. And this is just the referral partner block. This is not you know, the client block, the, the initial intake block where you're gonna mail client letters out to them. You're thinking specifically about whatever block that you're thinking about, okay? I, I, I wanna make sure you're drilling down on this. Because the idea is that when we're done, you go through and you have a list of the items of, of things you can take away and implement. So I want you to take one minute, another minute. Actually, I'm gonna give you, this This can be kind of complicated with the task. I want you to take two minutes. So I'm gonna give you two minutes to write down the, the list of tasks that you might have under that block. Sean Hump, you said your goal was to learn to systemize my office. You already run an office from how many miles away? Hundreds of miles away. What do you wanna hear about Any in particular? Sean lives in Cincinnati and runs a firm in, in Arizona, so he's got a, a list of, or uh, how many attorneys? Mitch, I have a friend for you to meet, okay? She needs what you have to talk about, okay? But she had to leave to go to a mediation, but she'll be back. So we can, we can accomplish your goal. Mitch's goal was to meet a new friend, so. You may have already accomplished that goal, though. All right, I'm going to move on to the next one. We, we're going to go a little early on this one. All right. Anybody have an idea what I'm going to tell you to do next? It's something I've talked about on the podcast, but I guarantee you most of you haven't done it. Any, any idea? William? Yeah, there you go. That's right. Okay, so I guarantee what some of you have done is you, you've gone through and you've, you've put down some tasks and you kind of just threw some stuff down. And some of them are garbage, all right? Let's just be honest. Like some of the things you don't need to be doing. I bet some of the stuff that what you've done is, is you've listed them because those are the things you've always done, right? These are the things that we've done and you probably don't need to do them anymore, okay? So I want you to think about the things that maybe you've listed down or maybe if there's nothing on your list that you've created, maybe things that you know you're doing at home that you need to eliminate, okay? Because I guarantee there's things that I do and, I, and I, I'm looking at my systems every week. I guarantee you the things that I need to get stopped doing. One of those is probably looking at my systems every week, right? So, so, so there's things you probably need to stop doing, okay? So I want you to write those down, even if those are not in your list of tasks. All right, so you're, you're, the idea is that you're trimming the fat. You're getting rid of the garbage. All right, the next one, automate. Now, there is a, a, there is a great discussion on the Facebook group. It was actually much more heated than I expected it to be about Infusionsoft. I'm not going to put push Infusionsoft on you. A lot of you think it's too complicated. I care. I, that's fine. I don't care about that. But there are other tools 
that are really easy, that are free, actually. Parser's not free, but Zapier is another one. And, and um, Chelsea put some things in her slide, too, that you can use that are automated. There's a lot of automation tools out there. But what of those tasks can you automate? So there, are, there may be some things that you put on your list, your specific list, that you can automate. So I want you to automate that. Go to Zapier. If you've not been to Zapier, it's incredible. I mean, it is it, the things that you are allowed to do for free through Zapier are really amazing. Um, so check out Zapier. Um, I recommend it if you're using soft. I understand it's kind of complicated. Um, but in Parser, Parser, anybody know what Parser is? Yeah, so it, it, it kind of, what it does is it parses your emails. And so it pulls certain information out of it. So anyone in here use NOLO? NOLO lead? Okay, you can get leads through NOLO. So something like Parser, which Zapier has something, uh, a Parser as well. If you wanted to, you could actually, it'll read your email from NOLO. You'll get the lead via email. And it can send a text, or uh, if you do it through Infusionsoft, you could actually may have an automated phone call go out to that prospective client within minutes. So you could do things like that, because it, it's just reading the email. They're, usually these emails are the same thing, they have the same template. So you can use things like that that'll help you get a leg up. Gary, Gary Falkowicz, he talked about how if you don't get to the prospective lead, uh, get them on the phone and actually engage with them in, within the first five minutes, your chance of getting that client drop just exponentially. So use some of these tools to kind of get an edge on your competition. I'm sorry, it was Parsi. I, you're so right. It's Parsi. It's a parser, but it's, it's called Parsi. And Annika. Parse, okay, so you can do it through Parser. Parsi, geez, Parsi is a parser. Um, and Zapier, you can also do it through Zapier. It's probably easier. All right, so obviously there are things to delegate. So, and I'm not going to spend a bunch of time on this, but what you need to do is go through that list that you've created and what things are, should you not be doing or which, which things do you not like to do? There may be things in your list that you think that you have to do that you really hate doing. If you hate doing it, find a way to stop doing it, okay? Why are you practicing if you hate doing what you're doing, okay? So get rid of them. Find a way to delegate them. And if you've got a staff member in, in, in place, you may want to think about that. All right, so outsource. Who in here has a strong opinion against outsourcing? Anybody? Fantastic, because, oh, here we go. Ryan, what's your, what's your opinion? I'm going to tell you you're wrong. You're wrong, but go ahead. <laughs> I 100% agree with you. So you're not, you're not against outsourcing in general, just, okay, just the core of your business. Okay, okay. Now, there are certain things that I think people would consider my core that I do outsource. For example, you might, th you might think that medical summaries are, are something that I should be doing in-house. There's no way we do them in-house. It costs much more money to do a medical summary with a local person than it does uh, with someone I've outsourced to. And I feel like the, the, what we get is a far better product anyways. So um, I guess it's up for interpretation when it comes to that. So it's, it's more efficient, obviously. It saves you money. I actually pulled my numbers this these numbers this morning. I wanted to go through and see it actually what I'd spent. I've spent $65,068.59. And I've gotten $8,652 or 52 hours of work. That is a tremendous return. And I will tell you, the, the financial returns I've gotten on that have been incredible. That's about $7.42. Uh, an hour, um, and I've gotten some very high-level work out of that. Okay, so now, will you, if you use Upwork, will you occasionally get someone that's not any good? Yes, but they're they're really good about reviewing their people and giving you get to feedback, and you're able to read feedback and see their other work. So there are ways uh, of actually making sure that you get the right person. So. Yeah, exactly, things like that. Um, something that I'm experimenting with now, and these, now with these, we're using all local people, but we're able to get them a lot cheaper. 
it, we're with actual responding to discovery and sending out discovery, drafting those for us. But I'm not quite sold on doing that yet uh, because we're sort of testing out that. Because I, if I can do that, because it's going to save us a lot of time anyways. But uh, I'm going to actually get to this in a second because here's why. You're not paying for them. So let's say you do hire a local person, or uh, not a local person, but a, um, someone in New York or Arizona or wherever, and you're, you're in Missouri. You're not paying for the office space. You're not paying for the computer. You're not paying for the phone. All right? They usually have their own computer. Um, I have heard of people sending out an actual desk phone so they can have that. But you're saving a ton of money. Who in here owns their own office? Owns the, owns the building or owns the office space, right? Okay. That's pretty valuable space, isn't it? It's very, very valuable space. Who in here rents? Most of us probably rent, right? Think about what the cost is of adding another desk and all the materials and the paper and everything else for you to rent. It's usually pretty substantial and it's, it's not worth it in most instances. So um, outsourcing is a very valuable tool, tool. So back to the topic though at hand. Think of the things that you do, the, the, the things that you've listed at your, as your, on your tasks that you can outsource, okay? And, and I want you to really think about it. You can outsource a lot more than you think you can. All right, so take one minute to do that. And I'm sure some of you will have already started doing that. So I'm, gonna, I'm only going to give you one minute. I'm going to stick to that. And in a second, we're going to have some fun. Hey, guys, it's Becca here. I'm sure you've heard Jim and Tyson mention the Guild on the podcast and in the Facebook group. That's because we're seeing some really exciting things happening with Guild members and their businesses. The Guild is this perfect mix of a community, group coaching, and a mastermind. Inside, you'll gain support, tap into a network of connections, and continue learning, a common theme among successful entrepreneurs. There are so many benefits inside the Guild, including weekly live events and discounts to all Maximum Lawyer events. Head over to MaximumLawyer.com forward slash the Guild to check out all of the benefits and watch a few testimonials from current members. Investing in a community is like the self-care of business ownership. Being in a community with other people who get it is crucial when you're creating a rock-solid foundation to build your business on, one that's strong enough to withstand setbacks, transitions, and growth. So head to MaximumLawyer.com and click on the Guild page to join us. Now, let's get back to the episode. So you want to learn how to... I, I, I think what you want to do is you want to run your firm more efficiently. I can't read one of the words. Okay. Um, anything in particular you want to learn about? Right. What if you got hit by a bus? Hopefully you don't, but what if you got hit by a bus? Exactly. I don't have that. Okay. Good. Good. You got about 10 seconds. All right. So this one you're not going to be able to do here. Okay. This is, I think, a little more difficult, but I want you to do it on your own. But what, what you now need to do, you have a list of, of tasks, and they don't all happen at the same time. So what you need to do is you need to figure out at what point in your case processes do these tasks happen. So what I did, I, I gave you a quick little a grid, right? What you can do is, and this is actually how I initially started. I used it through my, uh, my Moleskin book. I had actually wrote it. I turned it sideways, and I took an injury case, and I went from start to finish. I said, okay, in week one, what do we do? Week two, what do we do? Gary Berger, in the first 30 days, what, what, what rule do we have that that prevents other attorneys from contacting our, our clients. The, the cool down, or the, whatever they call the cool off rule, right? Anti-solicitation. Anti right? So what we've done in our office, and I'm sure Gary does the same thing, is we've created a, a system of, of things, letters, and emails in our first four weeks that we're just hammering the client over the head. Uh, we have a ton of emails. John Fisher's seen it. Anyone else that saw the video I had. We just hammer them over the head with as many emails 
and letters and phone calls as we can so that if someone else at the 31st day sends them a clever letter in the mail, direct mail, that they don't want to say, you know what, yeah, Tyson, you're not doing a very good job. I'm, I'm going to hire such and such. So you want to create these, it's dependent on your, your venue, your state, your type of case, where these tasks actually need to occur. You really need to think about it from start to finish when you do that. So and I, this, is, this is kind of riffing off the referral partner block part. And you know, week one, we want to make sure we call and send a card. Week two, you're going to call them about your decision, because usually in a personal injury case, we've made our decision at that point whether or not we're going to take that case. Now, William's case may be a little bit different because they do the nursing home stuff, and it may take a little bit longer. I don't know. Is it pretty fast, or do you, that, that you actually are able to determine if you have a case or not? Does it take some time? So like some people, some, I will do this. This is done by Kelsey, who's out there. I will do this one here. No, Kimberly does this. This is done by Kelsey. I will call on this one, and these ones are automated. Uh, this one's not. This one's automated. And that one is, I made this one up. I, don't, I just threw something in here on this one. So, so no, not on that one. I made that up. But we have, we have uh, automated update emails that go out to the uh, to referral partners. It's a good question, though. I knew someone was going to call me out on my week six. I just threw one in there. So. All right, so when you leave the conference, I want you to make sure you plot those. It's, it's, it's extremely important. Joey. We actually, yeah, yeah. So the question was, do we treat, 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 do we treat referral partners, lawyer referral partners, different than non-referral referral partners? And the answer is yes, we do. We treat our lawyer referral partners far better than we treat our non. So, so that's, a, I mean, I just learned something. I probably need to treat my non-lawyers a lot better. But Usually that is, is we want to make sure that the, the referring lawyers know that, they, that we want them to feel comfortable about that they're going to get a check and they're not going to get screwed over at the end of the case because that happens all the time. It, and maybe it, it's different from venue to venue, but I bet it's not. Yeah, I, I, yes, I think so. And I'm guaranteed, Tina, you have sent out a, a case to someone and a year later you're thinking like, oh, what's going on with that case? And you, you guarantee it settled. So happened to me about three years ago and it really pissed me off. But um, it's, I'm sure it's happened to most of you. So, but this, this actually makes them feel more comfortable. And something else we do, if you don't do it, we actually send out an agreement that they can sign electronically. Jimmy and I don't do it anymore, but I do it for most people, where they actually sign the agreement. It makes them feel more comfortable because they're, they're legally protected, too. All right, so the, the sixth one is what you're going to do. And I, I initially had had a sign and then plot, but I don't think it makes as much sense. So you need to figure out, once you've plotted those on your, your sheet or however you do it on your computer, you need to assign those to someone, obviously. So someone in your office. And three, actually, that diagram I showed you initially where I was drawing on the board, we were having an issue where we were trying to figure out, OK, who is best to do this job? Who is best to do this job? Which one makes the most sense? Which one's more natural? And we had, we had an associate, and then we had to let the associate go. And then we hired a legal assistant instead. instead we thought that was a better fit for us. And so you have to really think about, OK, who is your best intake specialist? Who's your best client care coordinator? Who is your best records clerk? And so you need to start thinking about those things and assign those to a specific person and make them do that job, okay? Don't, just because you've already, always let one person do it, that's not their job anymore, okay? You need to assign that task to, to, to the best person, that task to the best person. That way, you, your systems are working a little more effectively, okay? So I want you to think about that. Who's gonna do what? I'm going to skip that one because I think you have to wait till you till you plot. So here are the six different steps. You're a segment, block, list, edo, plot, and assign. Okay. Actually, 
Let me stop for a second. I don't want to go too fast. Anyone have any questions to this point? Well, that's a good question because I actually like putting titles on it because you, you may have people that leave you. So that's a good question. But you're, in your mind, you're thinking about who that person is. So yeah, you, uh, pick a role because you, you most likely, especially with personal injury, you've got a records clerk, you've got a client care coordinator, you've got an intake specialist that are pretty standard. Um, and you may have different roles too. You may have a paralegal and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I would definitely do the role. Anybody else? We'll do brownies, we'll do cards, we'll do... A, a, I've done. I've actually done gift cards before. I've done concert concert tickets before. They, something I learned. What we wanted to do before. I don't say any of this to Jim. But the the uh, something. Yeah. Something. Yes. Oh yeah. That's some BS. Get out of here. No. Well, something I did learn, and this is actually something. I either heard it on a podcast or someone on our podcast. You have to have specialized gifts for people. Like if you're sitting out a generic one, you don't care as much. And so someone, Jill Hewlett, had sent me a personalized gift mug. And I, I have it sitting up. It's actually like a trophy for me. I think it's really cool. And so something I did, if there's things like that that you can do that, 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 are, that, that people like, you know, and you personalize it for them. And so I don't think it's easy to completely say, oh, well, we're going to do this for everybody. You may have your standard gifts that you throw out to people, but if you, if you get to know them, then send them something that they'll, they'll like. All right, so who, who in here thinks that they've got a firm that can't be systemized? Anybody? Nobody, fantastic. Okay, who in here is having issues systemizing their firm? All right, all right. Here. Naomi, Naomi, I, I can't remember. Come on, come up here. All right, so what kind of firm do you have? I have an immigration firm and criminal defense in the verge of transitioning to personal injury. That's kind of Jesus. Okay, so. So I'm trying to get rid of immigration, but right now is immigration and criminal defense. Okay, immigration. Okay, what, what do you want to pick? Pick one. Um, I'll say immigration. Okay, immigration. Okay, so I'm not familiar with immigration stuff. So who in here does immigration? Jim, anybody else? Seth does. Josh. Josh, where's Josh? There you are. What is the first step? Let's segment this for her, okay? What let's do intake. Let's do, let's, let's do, let's do intake? Yeah. Okay, well, we're gonna do intake, okay? So it's kind of skipping a step, but let's say the first thing in intake, what's, what's, what's one of the blocks inside of intake? So we'll use that as a segment. For me, it will be the questionnaire. Like I have questionnaire for every single process that the client is going to hire us on. Okay, and is this, I guess, is a standard form that everyone knows about? Somewhat, yeah. It kind of keeps changing. Okay, and who, how, how does the client fill this out? Um, we give it to them when we get retained. We say, here's your, you need to return this by such and such date, so then we can complete your application by such and such date. Who here thinks that's a good idea? Who, who thinks that's a terrible idea? I think that's a terrible idea. I, I, I'm completely against sending out a questionnaire. Why do you send out the questionnaire? Well, I give it to them when we get retained because there's so much information that it's needed for the phone. So you've, they've retained you at this point? Yes. Okay, so let's back up a second. So the phone call comes in. I do the consultation on my associates. Via phone? No, always in person. Uh, we do phone if it's in out of state. Okay, so you got you basically got the phone call block. Where the, the who who answers the phone? My receptionist. Okay, so does she have a list of questions that she needs to ask? Yes. Okay, what are those questions? Um, you know, what services do you need? What type of cases? Is it immigration? Is it criminal? And also, you know, is the person in custody? And exactly, you know, 
what do you need from us? Something very valuable. No, no. And then we say, and by the way, the attorney. It's always a good question. The attorney's time is very valuable, and she's going to help you a lot. So there is a cost for the consultation. Okay. And do you have you given her a list of questions to ask for each type of? Some, yes. Okay. I so just look, gave her guidance, not. I've learned this from Jim. I always think of immigration as like this, like one practice area. Like, let's pick one thing within immigration. So, what's one thing within immigration that you want to do? Like visas, like spouse cases. Let's talk about let's talk, let's talk about spouse cases. So, it has, so let's well, that's a block. Okay, so that's going to be a block uh, for your phone call section. So, what are a list of questions that she should ask each spouse case? Well, I don't have it specific because we were very high volume. So mm -hmm. she tries to just get the gist of why they're coming to see me, put them in the calendar. And then when they come in to have a consultation with myself or one of the associates, then we have a set of questions that we ask. Okay. On the All right. So you've got, I guess, you're, how many phone calls are you getting a day? I mean, a lot. Like, she cannot multitask. It's okay. just, and we're very, our clients are very needy, as you mean. Hey, Seth, what does she need? That's, that's right. She needs an intake specialist. Okay. Do you, do you, why don't you have an intake specialist? I don't know. I, this is a hot seat for a reason. So, yeah. um, I thought about it. Um, I just didn't know it was that important. But now you're making me realize it, that I need an intake. So you've got a bottleneck at the beginning, right? All right. You've got a bottleneck with you. I guarantee it. Yes. Right. Okay. Now you've got an issue. You've got this, like this area, right? Yes. So I think right now you need a block for that. So you need to either need to hire an intake specialist, you need to uh, contract out with, what, what's what, some of the companies, do you use someone? Syntax. So you need to hire someone like Syntax, something like that to figure that part out. Because clearly you don't have that figured out. Okay? Yeah, All right. True. So that's good. Um, give her a, hand, uh, a round of applause. <laughs> We solved a problem. That's all I wanted to do. So we didn't completely do it. So, um, but fantastic. Sorry to be so hard on you too. All right. So, anyone have any questions? I don't want to do any other hot seats because I don't think we really have any time for it. Any other questions that you might have? Just a Tina. Minor thing. You mentioned about F, uh, Upwork, which I've been using more lately. Um, but I, I was actually afraid. I had a bad experience. This is about web marketing stuff. But I had a bad experience. But the thing is. When you are asking to review, they then they also will review you back. And any platform that does that, you know, you're worried as a buyer. I don't I don't know how that really works on Upwork if they're told, you know. But obviously, so now every single review on Upwork, I'm saying, you know, no wonder the guy has so many five star reviews. So it absolutely right. I noticed the same thing. Here's where. I think there's a sort of a workaround with figuring out who's good and who's bad because th th this is a problem. So you basically, oh yeah, yeah. So there's an issue with Upwork where I think it's an issue too. I think you're right. And I, you you review them first, and then they have a chance to review you. Okay, so you are the employer. Is that they call us the contractor? What do they call us? The employer. Basically, let's call it. We're the employer. They're the contractor. Let's call it that. So we're at at the end of the job. We're able to review them, and then they get to review us as the employer. So people may not want to work for you if you get a bad review. So what I've figured out is the people that will not give the reviews are the ones, that, that's where the, you find the bad ones. Because if you see that someone's done a bunch of jobs and they have a, like half, half, the, half the number of reviews, that means that the employer for some reason has that same issue and they don't want to review them. 
I think that's a workaround, but I, I don't think it's perfect, but I think that that's. So you, brought, you actually made, made me think of something. So um, Seth, close your ears. Um, if, you, if you hire someone for like web stuff, right, give them a separate login or that's not an, uh, an admin or give them a separate, what's the one pass, is that what you use? LastPass. So give them some. I think there's a way of doing LastPass where you can shut them off at any time. Because if you if you have the wrong person, they can take over your website and destroy oh, yeah. it. Joey Vitale. Yeah. So okay. So uh, Joey was saying that a lot of people have been posting, "Hey, I need this kind of person. I need this kind of a person." So what we can do through the group is sort of vet them through the group. Is that right? yeah. I, I summarize that. I don't know if you use automated calls yet or not, but what, through Infusion stuff we do. Call set? Okay. The idea that they, you know, what are you saying? Did I go over those in, in the presentation? Okay, so so for example, day two, so we day one we sign up the client, right? Day two, phone call goes out. It's kind of it's kind of funny. It, it, sometimes it causes them to call you back, but um, what happens is <laughs> is you, it, you have, there's two options. So if they pick up, they get one message. It's like, hey, thank you for calling Mutrix today. This is Tyson Mutrix. I just want to say thank you so much. If you have any questions, give me a call, right? And then the other one is, hey, I'm so, if, if they don't answer, leave them a voicemail. Hey, I'm so sorry I missed you. Um, I just want to let you know, thank you so much. We appreciate you joining the firm, that kind of thing. And then if the medical records are in, hey, such and such, we got your medical. I guess you can't specialize their name. So it's, it's you go, hi, this is Tyson Mutrix with Mutrix Finney. Just so you know, your medical records and bills are in. We are ready to send a demand letter out. It's as simple as that. And so it's a, it's a brief update in addition to the emails and the letters that they're getting. It's just another touch that they're getting, which you can always do with a task. I mean, you, can, you could have someone physically call, but. You know. Are there folks doing this on the intake portion? Like someone fills out a work form on your website, they get a call, that kind of thing? Or is it no, we don't do it that way. That's, we could. You could do it through Zapier or something. Let's do a Seth and then guy. Oh, I guarantee they, they, they prefer text. It's, I don't like the text process. I, I don't want them having my personal cell phone, but there are ways of doing it. For example, TrialWorks has a way where you can, you can send a text out to them and they can respond to the firm as, as a whole. I think uh, Practice Panther has that option. So there are ways of doing it, but not, not their infusion stuff. Oh, text, hands down. They prefer text. Say that? Welcome messages of voicemail. Just so you know, you do have to give them the option of opting out. So that, but that's a good point. We should probably add that to our agreement. But yeah, absolutely. No, I don't have that, but I, I should. But and I think I, your clients figure out pretty quickly that you have a whole automated thing. So that would be, they get emails, they get different stuff. Right. We tell our people, you're going to get a bunch of emails and stuff from us. So they, they expect that. Right. And it's all about the expectations. Yeah. All right. I'm out of time. One last. Sean, what, what were we talking about? Tetra. Oh, Tetra. Oh, yeah. Tetra is fantastic. So. Tetra, which I got the Ryan McKean discount, right? And then Chris knows very, very well. Chris, you use it, right? So Tetra is something what you can do is you can go in and you can, let's say you want to do an office manual or, or everything, all the knowledge in your brain, you want to put it into a document. Your firm can have access through that, to that through Slack. or Do you have to use Slack? Okay. But we use Slack, and so if you use Slack, you can access it through Slack, and you can just search, hey, you know, how do I order um, pods for our uh, coffee? And the answer's right there. Here's the link to it. I mean, you can do a variety of things. There's a 14-day free trial. Just go to Tetra and, and just play around with it. I fell in love with it right away. I, I tried some other things. You had mentioned another one that I tried. I can't remember the name of it. Um, something Sweet Process? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't like Sweet Process. I thought, I thought it was hard to use, but um, Tetra, it's, it's really good. Yeah, T-E-T-T-R-A. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. 
Have a great week and catch you next time.